You're listening to audio from Genesis Community Church. To find out more, visit us online at genesiscommunity.church. If you're a guest with us, uh, you're in week two of what we pray would be a whole year of kind of understanding the story of Scripture. So a couple of pieces that you're going to get tired of me talking about. We have our reading plan, the F260, which you can grab that reading plan at the kiosk in the back on your way out. We have modified memory verses to go along with that. Uh, So if you ever lose your place or lose that piece of paper or anything like that, now our website is equipped to help you. So if you just go to our website, genesiscommunity.church, if you're on your computer, it'd be like the top right corner. If you're on your phone, you just have to click uh, the menu button and you'll see an F260 link. And that link is going to have the memory verses, the chord charts, the songs, the F260 plan. It's all going to kind of be there for you so that when you inevitably get lost, uh, you will be able to find your way back to that. So from our website, you have access to all those things. And uh, this past week's, not this coming week's, but this past week's memory verse was Hebrews 11.8. Um, and so let's see how you guys can do. You might be memorizing in different translations, so we'll just do our best. But Hebrews eleven eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. And if you're with us and our, we do the songs, we like to put a little twang to it. So we're like, by faith, Abraham. Like we just sing it like... Uh, yeah, that's just ways we can try to remember it. We put it to like, death by faith, Abraham. Like we do all kinds of different ways to uh, remember those things. So what's coming up this week, Romans 4.20, uh, because we are in this part of our reading plan that are really, really important parts of the scriptures. Like you go, all of them are important, I agree. But we're in some pretty important parts of understanding how things fit together in this passage. So for 12 weeks, we're gonna go through the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of the Bible to try to put these pieces together. And half of that, we're going to be in Genesis because Genesis kind of sets us straight on what's going on. So we did the creation last week. We missed the fall, but the first 11 chapters of Genesis, right? Creation, fall, and then we see flood in chapter six, and then we see the nation scattered. Uh, So as you get to those first 11 chapters of Genesis, a lot is going on, moving really quickly through history, and then we slow down a ton right at the end of chapter 11, and we get to chapter 12. So, um, Chapter 12, the first three verses really are for us a key to how the rest of the Bible makes sense. Three verses become really a key to understanding the rest of the Old Testament and really the rest of the New Testament. And so these pieces all hold together. So so we might know the song. Let's see if you know it. Father Abraham had many sons, right, 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 you know, and so then all of a sudden you're like this, and you're just trying to remember like how many sons had Father Abraham, right, and we go, I'm one of them, and so are you, and we just start dancing and moving around, and you like go, however your church used to do it, if that's how you remember, like, we have this song, but it actually, the idea even of that song comes from this passage, three verses, as we move, we kind of hinge from the first 11 chapters of Genesis to the rest of Genesis, these three verses sit right there for us to figure out what is God doing for the rest of history. Now remember, at this point in time, like we're fallen, people are dying, the Lord uh, floods the earth, and just things didn't really go well. We didn't get a lot of time to try to have them go right. We just really, we had two chapters and then game over. So from three to when the Lord returns, we're in this fallen place. And we have now in these three verses of Genesis, this idea of the blessing of Abraham, we have 
the way God is going to redeem and bless the world. Three verses. So with that, I'm just gonna read those three verses, then we're gonna just kinda go kinda chunk by chunk and see what goes on here. So if you could ever memorize these, know these, uh, even Israel, and even as you get into Galatians, which we'll do a little later in this uh, sermon, we see why these three verses are so significant. So we have this guy, Abram, or Abraham, right? Because his name changes a little later in Genesis. So I'll probably interchangeably say Abram or Abraham, but now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, shall be blessed. Three verses that set the trajectory really for the rest of the Old Testament. Three verses. And those three verses don't just set the trajectory for the rest of the Old Testament, but the promises that are made, the New Testament looks for and longs for and speaks to as well. So, we start with a command to this guy, Abram. Now, you might want to know, like, who is Abram? Or, as we might better understand him, Abraham. Well, Abram is of the house of Terah. That's his dad. And these guys were, uh, Joshua tells us, they were just idol worshipers. They were pagans. They didn't follow Yahweh. They didn't follow God. Uh, They had uh, their cultural idols and ways that they believed. And so at the end of chapter 11, really in chapter 11, 27, we read this phrase, now these are the generations of Terah. And that phrase, these are the generations of, is kind of a hinge point every time you get to the book of Genesis. So as you're in your F260, you might find that. Now these are the generations of, now these are the generations of. And we're kind of starting a new story. So it's always talked about like with the head of the household. So we're talking, this is Terah's house, but we're telling the story of Abram. So there were these guys who were idol worshipers, and then out of nowhere, God speaks to Abram, and he gives him a command. So we're going to look right there at verse 1. Verse 1 says this, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I will show you. That's the command. You go and you do it. Now, two things we get to see here is this. First, Abram did zero, zero things for God to speak to him and put that call upon him. Right, so, so that might be what we call election, that, that he's going, hey, go. Abram did nothing to earn God's favor. He did nothing to be like, hey, I really think that you're awesome. Even as you read Noah, like Noah was a super righteous guy, you read nothing about that when you see Abram. You just see his family line, and then you see God speak to him and say, hey, go to the land that I will show you. Which, for me, that kind of command really isn't enough. Hey, you just, you know, get up and go to the land that I will show you. Because what you see God doing in the way that this is told is that he keeps intensifying that call. So he says this, go from your country. Well, Terah had already set out, so leaving your country is not that, that big of a deal. But then you have to go from your kindred, kind of your clan, the people that you would know even better. So country, that's one thing, right? Uh, but now I need you to leave the place that you actually are familiar with and the people with whom you are familiar, that's one thing, and then the crux of it, I need you to leave your father's house. Go from your country, go from your people, your kindred, and your father's house. 
I mean, you talk about the, the way that, that, that these people live their lives, because it's a little different than us, we're often scattered as a people. We're very mobile culturally, and so uh, some of you, many of you might have family nearby, many of you may have grown up here, and a number of you haven't, in fact, right? So, so Exxon's bringing people in all the time, and you're here for two years, four years, six years, and you used to be over here, or live in this country, or do this thing, and so it is not uncommon for us, even at like eight, nine, or 10 years old, to have traveled many more miles than Abram ever traveled in his whole life. So being scattered is a pretty common thing for us. But we even recognize that feeling of that intensity of relationship. I need you to leave this. Okay, yeah, sure, country, no big deal. Now I need you to leave the people that you're familiar with. Now I need you to leave your father's house. And this is the way life operated. Life operated through the house of the family. I need you to leave all of those. And just go to this land that I will show you. No big deal. You just go and I'll show it to you. Well, that seems like a lot, but God gives this command. He calls Abram out of nowhere, out of idol worship, and says, go do this. Now, you'll see in verse four that he actually does it, but this is the way God works. God gives an expectation, and he never qualifies it. Jesus does the same thing, doesn't he? Follow me. Follow me. That's what he says to his disciples. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then you see the disciples and they go and they follow. When people say to Jesus, I wanna follow you but, or you know, if, or let me do this first, what happens? Jesus says, nope, that's not, that's not how this works. When the call is given, there's response. Now, we love the grace of God and that sometimes there's that nudge and then you kinda of like, I'm gonna reject, I'm gonna reject, I'm gonna reject. And in his grace, and his grace alone, at times that call, that comes back, doesn't it? And you reject and you're hardened, you don't want to listen, but then God works on us even more and we surrender and we repent. But that is not always the case. And so there is this kind of theme with our Lord that when there is something spoken, there is an expectation of obedience. Happens in the Old Testament, happens in the New Testament. When God says something, we should do that thing. We know, though, we don't always do that. It's where the grace of God comes in. The only one person was perfectly obedient. Uh, but God doesn't qualify it. Like, go if you want, go if you think about it, pray about it first, which is often what we do. Like, let me pray about it, and then I'll see. And like, there's no prayer here for Abram. He just does it. So that's the first part, God's command. Leave what you know, and you just go to a land I'll show you. Now we see the next two verses. I'm gonna do the, really the, the chunk of two and three, and then we'll look at the very end in a second. And any of you who are familiar with Bible study methods, if you like, repetition is key. If you see something happening a lot, then that's an important thing. And so if you look at verse two and verse three, there's this specific wording that you'll see a lot. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. That's what you see. In fact, it starts at the end of verse one. Go to the land that I will show you. And then we read, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And we're gonna stop right there at first. What does God promise? Great land, great nation, and great blessing. Go to the land I will show you, end of verse one. And then he says this, I'll make you a great nation. There will be people who come from you. Great nation, you will be known, there will be many. And this follows throughout 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. We keep following this idea because it takes him and his wife a while to have a child. And even when they do, there's just one. How are you gonna make something great out of one? And then next week, we're gonna be reading about how when the Lord takes that son and goes, I want you to go and offer this son. So you have one kid, and we're gonna ask you to offer that one kid a little later. Like that, that idea of nation 
God says, you will be a great nation. So you're gonna go to the land, I'll show you, you'll be a great nation, I will make your name great, you will be a blessing. And so it's these ideas of great land, great nation, great people, and great blessing that God says. Now who is the doer of all of those things but the Lord? You go, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. In fact, if you were reading in the F260 with us, you've read Genesis 15 this week. In Genesis 15, it's kind of the establishment of that covenant, and we call it unilateral, and that it works kind of one direction. God makes the covenant with Abraham. Abraham's asleep. Dude doesn't even know what's going on. Like, he's, he's, not, he's not engaging, and he's like, okay, I'll do it too. But it's the Lord saying, I'm going to do this thing for you. I'm going to do this work for you. And he repeats it uh, shortly thereafter. We'll get to that text next week. So he repeats the phrase of, I'm going to do this. So he puts before Abram, or Abraham, this vision of what's going to be. There'll be a land, there'll be a nation, and there'll be blessing. Those three ideas carry us through the scriptures. Land, nation, blessing. What's God gonna do? Right, so that's why, think about it, now we're gonna go long way into the future, but when Israel, the nation, is taken into captivity, that's why it's such a big deal. Wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. There was, a, there was supposed to be a nation, there was supposed to be land, and now we're over here in Babylon. Some of us are in Assyria, like this is not the way that it's supposed to work. What are they doing? They're remembering the promise that was given to them early on to Abram and his descendants, which they would be. So this idea, right, there's no blessing here to be in captivity, this is not a good thing. We're in a bad spot. You see that time and time and time again. In fact, and we've said this before, when the nation is established and they're in the land and they begin to have kings, it doesn't take them long for that kingdom to be divided. You get Saul, who is you know, kind of a weirdo. You go to David, who is also a weirdo, but a weirdo after God's own heart. You get to Solomon, and then at Solomon, we're already turning toward idol worship, bad decisions, even though he's super wise, wisest man ever, and people are asking him advice. Still at Solomon, what do we have but him taking all these wives and, and having his heart led astray because he worships the gods they do, and, and he tries to help Israel by do, having them do the same. Well, after Solomon, we have a divided kingdom, right? Now there's a northern and a southern, and that continues on. And so at every turn, you're seeing, man, God promised these things, but we're having a hard time actually being faithful to him. Well, that's good for us because it's about God's faithfulness to us, really, and not our faithfulness to him. If it hung on us to do the right thing and to have it perfectly done, we, we are sunk long ago. Like, remember, we got Genesis 1, and man didn't even show up until the sixth day, so we didn't even get, like, the whole creation thing. Then man shows up, and then however long it takes, we screw it up, lickety-split, like, done, and so anytime it's on us to do something right, we really mess it up. So it has to be on the Lord. That's what God is saying. You go to this land, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. In Genesis 15, he establishes that covenant and states, I am going to do these things. There's gonna happen. There's going to be a great nation, but you're gonna die in your old age and they're gonna go into captivity. And that's actually where we end the book of Genesis. So we have these ideas that he's gonna be a father of a nation and he's gonna, his name will be made great and he's going to bless people, or the Lord's gonna bless people through him. At the same time, those who dishonor his descendants, God too will curse. 
And he uses this phrase right there at the end. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How? How do you bring blessing to everyone through a nation? And let's not mirror read America into this at all, okay? It's not like, okay, well, we're just gonna apply Genesis 12 to the United States of America, and that's what we do. No, that's not how it works, right? Like, that's not, God's not giving America the Genesis 12, one through three. That went to Abram. Abram and the nation that comes with it. And so through you and, and you and your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, that seems like a hard thing to do because the earth is kind of a big place. Rather large, if you've ever tried to circumnavigate, you probably haven't. So it's gonna take you a while to bring blessing to the whole earth, but what does God say from the beginning? In you, every nation, every person will be able to receive blessing through your obedience. And Abram can't even fathom what that might mean. Everybody, every nation, every person. Now you'll get to see glimpses even as you're reading along with us in Genesis that like God starts to uh, bless him with stuff, material blessing that shows his hand upon him. So God starts to bless him with things and give him favor with different nations uh, as he goes out. Even when Abraham messes up, the Lord still sustains him. Even when he lies, he's like, tell him you're my sister, right? Like tells his wife you're my sister. And he does all these things because he's afraid and he's not really trusting in the promise that God gave him. He's not really having confidence in what God said in Genesis 12 and what God repeats throughout the book of Genesis to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and his sons as well. Even when he falters or struggles or fumbles with that, God is still there to pick up the pieces, isn't he? And so like God will show up to somebody in a dream and go, hey, don't do the thing Abram said because actually that's not the case. That's his wife and you're gonna, you're gonna reap a whole lot of trouble if you do that. So even then, God is intervening at specific times to ensure the things that he promised would come to pass. But this is the great thing. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Blessing's a funny word. Like, we want to ask somebody like how they're doing, and they'll say, I'm blessed. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm blessed. Like, does that mean you're good? You're bad? Often that means like things are going well for me. That's kind of what we, things are going well for me. And so it's great blessing. I'm like, well, are you not blessed if things aren't going well for you? Like, how does that work? And so the idea of blessing is a little interesting for me and what it means to actually be blessed. So like if you are having a good day, are you blessed? If you had a bad, if you got in a car wreck, are you not blessed? But we often base it on how we're doing day to day. But there is a passage in the New Testament that helps us realize that that actually isn't the case. So there are these promises God makes, but that last part, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I'm gonna go to Galatians chapter three. And in Galatians chapter three, in verses 13 and 14, we see this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. Now read, look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. 
Now, if you're just kind of reading through Galatians, you might not connect those dots to go, okay, yeah, blessing of Abraham, that's great, like Father Abraham, we go back to singing the song, but what's happening right there is that Paul is seeing what is happening through Jesus, who is a descendant of Abraham, and through his death and burial and resurrection, that through faith in Jesus, the blessing, all the nations in the earth, of the world, every family can be blessed. What he's saying is it can happen through Jesus. That the blessing of Abraham is receiving salvation through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that comes along with it. That that is the kind of acceleration of that promise. That doesn't mean the rest of the promise is null and void. But that means the ultimate fulfillment of that promise is in the salvation that we can receive from Jesus because that is the true blessing. Because that, that extends beyond this world, that extends beyond any circumstance, a good day, bad day, mediocre day like most of ours actually are. It doesn't matter because the blessing of Abraham is not just for this life but for the life that is to come and it happens through faith in Jesus. So how then can we receive the blessing of Abraham in Genesis 12? Because that was so long ago. Like, how does that even make sense for us today? The, the way we do that is to have faith in Jesus. The blessing of Abraham comes through faith in Jesus. Because he is the one who bore our sin and our shame and took on our curse so that we might have life. So when I say Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3 is a key for how the rest of the scriptures are understood, it is, because it doesn't stop there. When you read Revelation, those promises are still there, and they're becoming even more clearly fulfilled as you read Revelation, and you're seeing you know, great nation, great people, great blessing, that that is happening as Jesus returns and rights every wrong, but how, how do you fulfill all the nations of the earth shall be blessed? It's through Jesus, that he is the way that blessing is brought to this earth. Now think about it. On every continent, there are people who believe the gospel. Not every people group. That's why it's so important for us to prioritize going to nations and to peoples who have never heard the gospel because we believe that it is through Jesus that really blessing actually comes and so we want to be serious about our commitment to proclaiming Jesus in places he's never heard because we want people to have their faith in him, receive the Holy Spirit and that salvation and be transformed for all eternity. And so I don't claim Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3 as like, we, there's no victory that we can claim on that. Jesus has done it, but we want to continue to see people transformed by Jesus. And so we're serious about sharing Jesus. And this is the thing, you heard Tim and you heard Matt share, even with those around us, people who uh, walk like us, talk like us, live like us to one degree or another, speak the same language as us, even sharing the gospel amongst them can sometimes become difficult. And I'm right there with you and going, uh, like with what Tim said, man, it's just, you know, I'm not a fan. Not even, like, I don't even really want to go do that because it's, you know, awkward turtle, like it's just not a fun thing. But a question I have for, for me first, and for you second, and answer it how you will, um, is how seriously do I believe that that is the way that everyone in this world will really be blessed? If the Lord says to Abraham, 
through you all the nations of the world will be blessed, the earth will be blessed. And I have been a recipient of such a blessing. And you hear this phrase sometimes, blessed to be a blessing. Um, so you hear that in Genesis 12. I will bless you and you will be able to bless others, right? So the Lord's blessing comes to Abraham, and through that, there's blessing that's able to be extended. And so it really doesn't stop with us. We are rather conduits of the good news of Jesus to share that same thing so that other people might be able to receive salvation too, or at least hear about salvation that exists within Jesus, in Jesus alone. And so we aren't, I say, cul-de-sacs of God's grace, like we're not. We don't just soak it up and fill up like a balloon, because that bursts, right? We, We continue to to give it because it does not run out. In fact, as you see, it was uh, the nation of Israel and the faithfulness of uh, some through that. And then Jesus is there and God is sustaining. Even as we look at like the book of Ruth, God is sustaining the line. Jesus is born and his salvation is true salvation and in him we have life. And then you see, I mean, so many people today are following Jesus. It doesn't dilute God's blessing, it only extends it. And so we are able to share. And so though uh, Abram or Abraham had a specific way, a specific way that he was obedient to God's call, we too have ways that we can be obedient to God's call. First, in our salvation, that if we do not know the Lord Jesus here this morning, if we truly want to have a blessing that endures, blessing in life that endures, it happens through faith in Jesus because it's in this life and the life to come. So we surrender our life to Jesus and go, you're the one who died for me. I need to stop living for myself. And in the same way that the blessings that we have received by being identified, united with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, that we are to share freely that message and that news with others. Why? Because that was the way God wrote it up. That as history slows down in the book of Genesis and we get to 12, 1, 2, and 3, what starts to happen? God already puts on the radar of Abraham and you, all the nations of the earth, will be blessed. And we get to speak that and proclaim that and talk about that. And we send, in a month, we're sending the Roe family to go be a part of sending uh, the gospel to places where it has never been heard. Why? Because we want to continue the things that God has said will happen. We want to walk in obedience to the things that he's asked of us. And Jesus says the same thing. He goes, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, followers of him of, of all nations. Why? Because he's the way that the blessing of Abraham is extended to all nations. So really, where we are today in January of 2019, the second Sunday of January, all we're doing is continuing the story that God has promised would happen that there is consistency from beginning to end in what God said that he would do. We talked last week, he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't go, shoot, I wasn't planning on that happening. I didn't know you were gonna sin like that. I didn't know you were gonna do that. He's never unaware. But where are we? We are a part of continuing what we read and through faith. In fact, the New Testament heralds, we just we recited in Hebrews 11:8 that the faith of Abraham is a marker or a model for us to be able to follow. And they say, have faith like him. He went out even though he didn't know where he was going. We have another. He did not waver in unbelief. This is next week. At God's promise, he was strengthened in his faith. Give glory to God. That that, that that type of faith in what God is doing and what God is working is the type of faith that we as followers of Jesus should have. Okay, Lord. 
I don't know everything, I don't know every situation, I don't know those things, but you know what, I'm gonna trust you because you are the one who is trustworthy. I'm not. You are the one who works things out, I do not. You are the one in whom I should put all my confidence. And who would have known three verses would change the scope of history and one man's obedience to three verses? Go to the land I'll show you. And again, for most of us, that's not the case. Are any of you maybe in like, you, 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 we all do a little bit of risk management. And we run the numbers and we make sure that we can make it work. And the Lord doesn't work like that, does he? He just says, go. Jesus says, follow me. Even when he says to his disciples, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll, I'll make it happen. We'll be like, well, how are you gonna make it happen, right? That's what we wanna know. Like, I need to know every single detail of how this is gonna work out. But the Lord usually isn't in that business, is he? Just trust. Follow me. Now, our faith isn't illogical, and it isn't blind. It has an object, and that object is Jesus, and Jesus has always been faithful. So when we're saying trust, it's not as if God has not demonstrated that he is trustworthy, right? It's not like, just, just blind trust. There's no blind trust here. Like, you can see time and time again him fulfilling his promises, and so you can either trust in the one who fulfills his promises every time he says it, or you can trust in something else that will let you down. That's really the decision that is before us. Live in kind of this fantasy world where you think everything's good and it's not, or trust the one who knows what he's doing. Every day we get up, that's kind of the decision that we have to make. Live for myself and what I think is best, or live for the Lord. And we see that from the beginning, and that walk of faith is what the Lord wants from us every time and in every way, wherever we might be, why? Because God is doing something to bring glory to Jesus in all the world. So will we, by faith, trust, or will we attempt to walk by sight? And for us, I believe, and I know that we can, by faith, trust. That trust God's plans to bless the world through Jesus. Trust God's plans that Jesus is the one that we need to herald. He's the one we want to be known for. There's nothing else you need to be known for. Life is too short to try and like, make yourself look good in front of people. It won't work. You belong to Jesus. He's identified with you. It is so easy for us to get in front of people and talk to them about our kids, their, what they do, our jobs, what we do, our lives, and how great they are. Like, it's so easy for us to get up and identify ourselves with everything that is going to fall away while the one thing that actually is our primary identity is the thing we wanna to get to last. Why? Just invert that thing. The thing that marks us is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And the thing that defines every other relationship we have is that same thing. So we lead with that. I need a, you need to pray for me in that because I'm in the boat of many of you which is like, that's. I don't know if I want to do that. I'd rather talk about my kids and how cool they are uh, or how they think my sermons are boring, like whatever it might be. But what matters is how we walk by faith, how we live by faith, the confidence that we have in what God said he was going to do and what God is doing as fulfilled in his son. That's what anchors us over anything else. That's what the scriptures look to. So we'll see, really, that one, two, three, the next four weeks after today are all parts of that promise seeming like it's gonna go away, and it comes back. 
people wondering, is this the end? And it comes back. Wondering if it's going to disappear. And so you'll find that throughout as you walk through the rest of Genesis is that like there's times when it seems like, okay, this is it. This God's going to do it. And then man crumbles it. And then God, you know, in his grace does it again and then man seems to crumble it. And you kind of, you're left wondering, is this it? Is this all there is? Now we know the story, right? So it's hard for us not to read it knowing the end. But as you're just kind of marching through it, time and time again, you see great blessing and then man screws it up. God, in his faithfulness, restores, and man screws it up. And so as we follow through and we get to the sacrifice of Isaac next week and we follow the Joseph narrative the following three Sundays, we're gonna see again, time and time again, that kind of cycle of what is God gonna do here because we don't seem to be able to get it straight. Might it strengthen our faith to give glory to God and speak of him because he's the one who's faithful. Pray with me, church. Father, there is no one else in whom we should have trust. There is nothing else that would give us our confidence. There is no one else who has been faithful to the end. And yet so often we are weak in our faith and we struggle and we wonder and we worry and we would ask God that by your grace you would sustain us and strengthen us that we would have faith like Abraham, that we would have confidence in your promises, that we would believe the things that you would say and that it would be credited to us as righteousness. Lord, we, we, we trust you, but so often we have to ask, help us in our unbelief, help us where we waver, help us where we struggle, Lord, but we know, even as dimly as it might feel, we know you're good and we know you are to be trusted. And we know that your grace is real. So Father, might you strengthen our hearts to have great confidence in who you are and to step out in faith and be obedient to whatever call you have before us and that we would see Jesus as the way in which we can both receive that blessing of Abraham but also to proclaim it and share it so that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. We prayed in his name, amen.